Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Move the mic forward and you're leaning right over the desk. Mm. Yes. All right. I've started recording. Good. So we talk about being knocked on the dick. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. Absolutely. Can okay. we? Can yeah, we sure. kick off there? Yeah. We're going to kick off with a saying, but I think getting knocked on the dicks, we're not talking about a saying here, like <laughs> literally getting knocked on the dick. <laughs> uh, right. Tell everyone about your dick knock experience. Okay. So um, this is awkward. Isn't it? People are going to be thinking about you brought it up <laughs> well i think it's interesting so i went for a massage the other day and i was just getting out of one of those shopping center massages and exercising a fair bit the uh the shoulders are a bit tight and tense so yeah i just wanted a shoulder rub basically and i got way more than i bargained for <laughs> <laughs> well, nearly got way more than nearly, I yeah, yeah. So the supermarket joint was uh, was too busy, so I jumped in the car, I was heading back to work, um, and I thought, oh, there's this massage place down here. I just remembered it, uh, never been there before, and pulled up, and on the front, the signage was you know men, women, couples, and it's all very nicely done up, and I'm like, oh, this this, this looks, yeah. Appealing, I suppose, legit. Um, and I, I obviously live in Thailand for a month each year um, while I'm doing some work over there at a resort. And every second day I'm getting a Thai massage and love them. You know, so I was like, yeah, this is probably what I need. And get in there, they're very nice. How are you, Kunik? And yeah, very, very lovely and gentle. And oh, this is this is perfect. What a, you know, what a wonderful thing. The other place was too busy. And so... Um, getting the massage and she they, they like kneel on you and have you ever had one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember one time, <clears throat> we'll get back to it, but yeah, I remember when I first went to Thailand I had like the full yeah. Thai massage on the beach and yeah, I had a, a young guy, quite a feminine guy, but a young guy. And um, yeah, at one point he like, he, he was behind me and he had me like in a full yeah. Nelson headlock <laughs> and then put his knees into my back and then rocked back. So I was like a yeah. up, upside down beetle on him, yeah. just flailing. <laughs> that was quite funny. <laughs> oh, great though. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about it. Like it stretches it, they turn you into a pretzel. And so she's now on my back and it's just going pop, 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 pop. And I'm like, ah, oh, sort of nice relief. Um, anyway, so it was a 45 minute massage. And so she massaged my back and my legs and my body's pretty screwed um, from from the army the muscles are all sinewy and everything so I, I need people to get in there so there's elbows and knees and she flips me over and gets into you know my quads and calves and chest and everything and I'm thinking oh we're probably done here and all of a sudden there's this bit of a bit of a bit of a knock on, on was it a knock on the door knock on the door it, well it wasn't a knock on the door well, it wasn't the door, it was a no. metaphorical door. She tapped you on the dick. Yeah, she did. Yeah. With a one eyebrow raise, sort of looking like Dwayne The Rock Johnson at me. <laughs> the people's eyebrow. The people's eyebrow. Gave me the people's <laughs> eyebrow. And was like, is this the kind of thing that you think you might be into? Shout out to Fly of the Concords. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, I remained calm and composed. Uh, and I was like, no, thank you, not today. Um, I didn't want to offend or anything, mm. and uh, and she, I guess I'm more amazed at how she took it, the yeah. rejection rather than the knock on the door. Yeah, um, because it was like I was, it was such a business transaction for her. It was like I was at Macca's or something, and they said, "Oh, would you like fries with that?" And I've gone here, yeah, no thanks. Like an upsell. Exactly. Maybe it was her spiritual practice and she's been reading Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz mm. and the third agreements don't take anything personally and maybe she's practicing that with her dick knocking at the minute. Maybe she's woke as fuck, you know, in the Thai massage part. But anyway, it's quite, you know, it's quite funny. It's a funny little – it is funny that she would actually tap you on the dick with a question to well, say – Well, this is what we spoke about over a delicious Ajisen Ramen lunch. Yes. Shout out to Ajisen Ramen, our sponsors. Yes, yeah. Potential, potential one day sponsors, sponsors. Um, and and I said to you, 
asking the question would have been suffice if if you had to do it. Yeah. Like if you if you're trying to make an extra couple of bucks and you you think a guy might be and am I the kind of guy that looks like I'm into a bit of Henry the Leaf partials of the old the old fashioned. <laughs> we uh, we started a, a uh, indoor cricket comp once I think and and the team name was Henry Leaf. Is it hand, hand relief? Yeah. And we were booking into motels under Henry Leaf. <laughs> uh, but am I the kind of guy that looks like I'm, I'm Look, chasing that sort you, of thing? You don't know whether, you know, she offers it to every bloke that comes through I the think doors. she might. Yeah, well, you know, in that case, then yeah. if you're a guy. And then we'll be, you would bring up the uh Well, the before point. we get into that, because mm-hmm. it was still, um, so, yeah, am I that guy? But uh, am I... Yeah, she could have asked the question, was there a need for her to touch me in that location? Well, I, th- I think, like, this is where it gets interesting because for us guys, like, if that happened to me and I'd be like, no thanks, and then you just don't really think much of it. You're like, that was a pretty funny little <laughs> experience that you could talk about. But, but you what know, I thought about was what if uh, the roles were reversed? Yeah, yeah, you can't, you know, I can't imagine <laughs> male, male masseuse just flips her over and taps her on the muff and says, you know, raises the eyebrow. Gives her the people's eyebrow. I'm not sure. It, it might go down, you know, depending on who the masseuse was. One maybe in 50 maybe. Yeah, it depends. You might get a, a Swedish bloke with big guns. He might go one in 10. Okay. Right. But those, those other nine aren't going to be too happy. Well, that's what I left thinking in, in – some society in our society, even that's that was that was a form of sexual harassment, or mm. was it? And so, what defines whether it's sexual harassment or not? Yeah, this is where you're like, um, you get blurred lines and stuff as well. Because then I even asked the question, I'm like, what? Because you know, you're you're getting a massage. A massage is quite a central experience. Mm-hmm. Like you've got um, someone most likely of the opposite sex, oil rubbing it all over your naked flesh. But then we get to one part of our flesh and we're like, oh, that's a no-no, mm. right? Because of these social norms and, you know, what my partner might think and that kind of thing. It's so like you said your your back popped and you got relief. It's like, well, she was just seeing if you wanted relief in a different area. On another area. level. <laughs> and it's interesting you talk about your partners and everything. Um, I know a bloke who – no, I won't tell that story. He, no. he went to Thailand. But I, I would – I myself, I wouldn't do it. So if I, I, I've I wouldn't had do it either. I'd consider- and I wouldn't. But then I, I always – question these social norms around what we do well a i I don't want to pay for it yeah (laughs) i don't know if i'm a tired (laughs) ass or not but b uh it's another kind of thing i think i might be into yeah um and yeah and so i wouldn't do a full stop whether i'm single or in a relationship but i'm in a relationship and we had this discussion with the bloke and he he's a big fan of them he he would have said yesterday is the day that i will yeah take you up on your offer and i said you're in a relationship, mate. And he's like, yeah, but it's only mechanics. Mm-hmm. That was his justification. He's like, it's only mechanics. Right, okay. And there's no, he said, there's no emotion. In it. I'm like, yeah, so imagine big Swedish yokum, you know, massaging your woman, taps her, and she goes, yeah, sure. And does the same to her. Yeah. How would you feel? And he's like, oh, yeah, nah, that's pretty fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Captain Double Standards. Yeah, that is that's big double standards, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I think, it's only mechanics. Yeah, because it's not, is it? No. When you think about it, it's not. Because even if you're like it purely is mechanics and maybe it is in the moment and then but then all of a sudden, you know, like you, what would worry him say about the, you know, Swedish bloke with, with his missus and that is that she'd love it mm-hmm. and then she'd start thinking about it in mm-hmm. other situations. So then it's it's not mechanical and I'm sure But for some- him he doesn't love it. He doesn't he doesn't you know he's just experiencing it as a as literally a form of relief. It's a release for him. He's not I don't think it's a big sexual deal for him. Mm-hmm. Where as he's saying, if it was on the other foot, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, what a beautiful way to start the podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. I like to. I, I, I like her gumption. I like her just saying, "I'm going to tap him on the dick," and that's going to be my question. And then, I'm, and then whatever he says, I'm not going to take personally. She's, that's she's probably got. She's probably got mouths to feed and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't offended by it because that's sort of. I suppose it's done in those circles. Yeah. Um, but I, I just came out of it going, yeah, A, did she have to f- use the physical knock or could she just asked? 
because uh, I think that was the line, that was the boundary. And I think when you go from verbal into physical, remember the Taylor. What would she say though? Remember the Taylor podcast that we did, uh, Taylor Harris podcast. Yeah, 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 about the trolls. Yeah, yeah, and crossing the line and where mm. are the boundaries. I, th- I think, yeah, we spoke in that podcast about verbalization turns into action. So that's for women. It was different to men. I think this is similar in, in that she could have just oh, just a just even a gesture like you know shaking her fist. Um, or, or just sort of pointing and giving me the people's eyebrow. That they didn't have to be the physical yeah. s- sort of. Uh, is anybody home? <laughs> so I think that was the line, and I think that was the. You know, and I, I, as I said, I wasn't offended, so I'm not. I'm not. You know, a lot of blokes out there listening might be going, "Oh, fucking no, no!" But it was just sure, a, just a just a tap on the old fella. Uh, yeah, I'm not offended. I'm not going to report her. Da, 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 da. Uh, but I just it just got me thinking philosophically about where's the line and what's what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah, is it is it legal? I don't believe it is. Yeah, oh, prostitution's legal, right? So is that an act of prostitution? Perhaps I'm not sure because oh, I know a lot of rub and tug joints have been getting shut down. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so it would be. So then you're going to have trouble finding any sort of line or regulation in something that's not... I don't know. Maybe they need a union or something. Maybe it is. Maybe they've decided that the knock's good. Maybe. Maybe the union came to a decision. <laughs> right. This is, this, is, this is how it is from now on. Yeah. We're knocking. We're knocking. We're knocking. <coughs> All right. You know well, what? Again, it was a... Um, getting there, you'd think ask, being asked for a rubber tug is money for jam. Yes. Yes. Now... We just took the photo, the promo for this one, and I was handing you some money in a little bit of a parody there. But, um, yeah, Money for Jam, where does that come from? Do we know? You said you never used it, never heard of it. I'd heard, I've I heard, heard of it, it, but I can't imagine. I can't remember when I've used it in some sort of context. All right, so That's as listeners, regular listeners will know, we always come up with these obscure sayings that we try and <laughs> analyse and figure out what the hell they're on about. And this one, money for jam, is quite a common expression. And it, I guess it means it's a sure thing. So, yeah. I, I mean, like, uh, uh, used a lot of the horses, I suppose, the racetrack. And, mate, chuck 50 bucks on this. It's money for jam. Yeah. So, it's like, so you know, it's going it's, it's it's to win. We're going to make win. money. Why jam? I don't know. This is, this is, this is. Is there an Aussie version? Money is, for Vegemite? No. This is no. the oddity. Money for peanut butter? This is, this is the no. oddity of the, of the saying. What Why kind of jam, jam was it? I'd go raspberry. Can, can you, you look it up? What do you mean? Like look up money for jam. We never look origin. Them up. We we just. But I I literally don't know, and I haven't got a good answer for this. Okay, well that's okay. Oh. We're all ignorant to some degree. So yeah, it was money for jam. Yeah, look, I'm but not no, sure. you don't have to know. But where do you? Th- why do you think? Like the stuff at the top of your head. Why, where would jam have come from? Well, look, I'm I'm imagining people. Well, I'm imagining someone at some old you know, fair or something and someone's buying jam because there was an abundance of jam uh, at this particular time in this particular location. That's why I love these. <laughs> That's why I'm not Googling because I want to know where your mind it's goes. My, my Google mind. You don't want to know where this <laughs> mind goes. There's an old fair. Yeah, like an old country fair in the midlands of England or something in the 1700s and someone had worked out how to make this beautiful jam. Hear ye, hear ye. And there was a, an, a, a bounty of strawberry and raspberry that season. Oh, so they, had, so they season. had to make a heap of jam. And um, and then the, the local, you know, the guy at the castle, the you know, the Windsor, whatever you call him, he had all the guy money. And, the and there was a massive exchange of money and jam. And there was no, there no, was no scarcity or no, no lack. The guy at the castle had a hankering. Some, he'd had it two seasons ago and the, the season hadn't been good last year. There was no good crop last and year. And he'd been thinking about it every day. Oh, for two years. And he's like, fuck that, that jam I had, that strawberry jam, man. And he's like, oh, I need some jam. And the page came in and said, you'll, you'll never guess what. I've just been to the market and there is fuckloads of jam. Yeah, there. old lady Whittingbottom has an absolute uh, abundance of jam. It is a sure thing that you can get jam today. Right, and then he sent the, what's the page, the page like a little servant page, or something? Yeah, with the servant, with the um, money. With the money. And said, this is money for jam. Right, and then he or she, whatever the page, could be non-binary, whatever it is, the page ran to the fair yeah. and just said, Lady Whittingbottom, I have money for jam. And she said, 
fantastic. That's a sure thing. I, a sure I have heaps here. Yeah, you've got the money. I've got the jam. Let's do this. Let's dance. And but I, but and it's the sure thing. It's an assurity. It's a... I'm I'm giving you this money, and if you don't come back with jam, your, I'll head, have your, head. your head comes off. Yeah, right. And he's like, fucking cash me up. I'm That's going. That's a lot of pressure for that young That's page. That's not, though, because he's been there and he's seen but how much But what if he went back there. to the fair and then for whatever reason the jam was gone? No, it's confidence, mate. It's confidence. He was a confident young page, was. wasn't he? Or she yeah. or it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's where it I comes from. I think we figured it out. We figured it out. Nice. Excellent. Okay, on to today's show. This has been a zinger, hasn't it? Absolute <laughs> ripper so far. 15 minutes in and we're, we're all we're getting into it. Uh, we're going to start talking today about a couple of topics. Number one's about accountability and ownership. Mm. Nico, what are we what are we talking about this for? Uh, this stems all the way back to the shame podcast for me mm-hmm. um, because I see every day, every week, People coming in feeling ashamed or embarrassed or just in some form of distress about something that happened years ago, uh, something they they did. Um, embarrassed about how they handled a breakup. Like that, that was something I used to cringe at a little bit. Like, oh, oh God. But doing some work and I've, I've moved into my empathy for that version. I'm like, fuck, man, he was just in a bad place and... Um, it's okay that he did that, you know. So, I, th- I think what I want to talk about is when we own something in its entirety, no one can use it against us. Yeah, and we we take the power out of it. I, I guess, like I spoke about the rock earlier. And, um, yeah, yeah I, tell us about that. Yeah, I, I, learnt, I just I saw a video or something, and I learnt that he was married and then had an affair with this woman that he he then went on to marry. And he actually asked his first wife to remain his manager and she's gone on to marry his The Rock's personal trainer. Yeah, right. Um, so a weird little love rectangle there. Um, <laughs> Quadrant. And, and she's become very, very um, successful within her own rights and whatnot. So happily ever after. But what The Rock did was he owned the affair really quickly and really early on. So that's why you don't hear about it in the media or anything because he's already put the fire out, yep. so to speak. He yep. he came out, the relationship was shit, um, we're in a bad space. I I went outside the relationship and you know, because someone else came along, deep attraction at the time, couldn't you know, couldn't hold myself back and you know, lo and behold it's it's all worked out. But um, yeah, he owned the fact that he'd had an affair. Yeah. So I really like that. Uh, and I was speaking to someone else at Pilates about this morning. She goes, yeah, but he was still a rat. And I was like, that kind of mindset is a, a pretty toxic one. Mm. Like, A, it had nothing to do with you. Um, you weren't affected by it in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, you're only giving your opinion based on your beliefs. Mm. So what your her remark said more about her to me than it said about The Rock. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is an interesting topic like that. Um, I think Sam Harris has been talking about this a fair bit recently because it's like, you know, different scandals and things come out and all of this stuff is kind of on a spectrum. Like obviously the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out and that was like really hectic and really bad and then other stuff comes out like the Louis C.K. one and that mm. sounds like bad but doesn't sound as bad. Like, you know, we don't know. Oh, he, was, he was jerking off on people. He had a fetish where he liked jerking off in front of people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he... You never did it. No, no one ever said no, as far as we know. Yeah. They just said yes, but you never know what's going on. Anyway, and Harvey Weinstein was touching that was people, big manipulation and mm. everything. But anyway, the topic was about so someone's fucked up. They've owned up and said they fucked up. Yeah. Now, is there like what is the road back for them? Because some people say like, because Louis C.K.'s come back and you know he's doing a new comedy mm. show after all this time, but people have this thing where they're like, he should never be allowed to work ever again. And well, that's a, it's a it's a social, um, can't think of the word, but it, it's it's like Steve Smith, you know, Australian cricket captain, um, with the the sandpaper tapering incident, got banned for years, come back and he's made a couple of centuries. Now everyone was saying no, he shouldn't come back, ban him for life. I think I think that's a very once again, I think people's reaction says more about them than it says about the person that. Yeah. Did whatever they did. Yeah. So, uh, 
do you give them a free pass and say, oh, welcome back, welcome to the fold? I don't think so. Do you say, you're never coming back again? I don't think so either. I think no. I think there's, there's middle ground and there's the, for every action there's a reaction. So I think there's you know, consequences for for our behaviours mm-hmm. that need to be in place. Yeah, ban him for a year, but then let him come back and see what he can do. Yeah, because, I mean, the <laughs> people, especially, Redemption. I mean... We need I mean, a chance to redeem. Exactly. Yeah, we need some sort of chance to redeem ourselves. To and learn from it and to grow, and then we're in a position where we can help other people. Yeah, because if you just say to someone, oh, well, you're banned for life and can never come back, I mean, you don't know how much that can damage someone. If you Imagine yeah. if you fucked up you were, say, ostracised, but then you knew there's literally no way of coming back, then you really have no reason to live. So I just thought it came to head, the prison system, you know, you go to jail for a crime, you do your time, you come back out, but you've got that tag hanging over you for life. You, know, you can't leave the country because you've got a criminal record, all this sort of stuff. Is that, I don't like I don't like the sense of fair and unfair, but is that is that a, a good system, do you think? No, well... You know, you know me. I did some serious hard time in jail two days, and um, <laughs> shout out to Melbourne <laughs> jailers. Yeah. Um, but you know, it hasn't been having a criminal record hasn't affected me as such. But it affects most other people because of a couple of reasons. Um, number one, because I, I started my own business. But if I was going to get a job, that's like. I can't imagine how difficult it is because most employers, they've got five candidates. Oh, this guy's got a criminal yeah. record. No, we're not going to employ so him. a massive weight. It's a ball on chain. It's a massive obstacle, barrier, whatever. Massive barrier. And, and also- for life because of one stupid thing, some version yeah. of you did. And also, I like what you said, one version of you did, mm. yeah? Because we, we have this thing, it's like, oh, this person's, whatever you did in that point in time, that's you. Yeah, yeah, this is this is where people get caught up in judging, you know, people they don't know because yeah. they're just getting a little snapshot, this tiny thing that some person did at one point in their life and then going, oh, he's a rat or whatever it is and then making that judgment. Um, criminals as well have a massive issue. People who are in for two, three, five, you know, years and this kind of thing, reintegrating back into society is hard. Mm. Like we've had a lot of people come in here who it's been a hard process and a lot of people... You know, they can't wait to get out of jail, can't wait to get out. They finally get out and after a bit they want to go back in Yeah, because I can't. They've been institutionalised. That's right. Same as with the army, same as the armed forces. It's so, you're in the armed forces, it's a completely different world. Like living in a military base in that mm. bubble, you have to be here at a certain time, be there at a certain time, wear this, do that, do this. It's all sort of structured and, and everything for you. You come out and just, so I was medically discharged. They set me off to do learn how to make a cup of coffee. I did a coffee course, a barista course, mm-hmm. and that was right. Yeah, back into into the civilian world you go. You'll be right. Yeah. Uh, fuck you. I um I've been trained to blow shit up and drive massive bloody tanks and do all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And you want me to little macchiato course yeah, and now you're fine. Yeah. 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 Little frappe anybody. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely get it. It's like the Shawshank Redemption when... I haven't seen it. I know, I get this look. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I'm judging you right yeah. now. And I, do, I do not judge people. We'll have to watch it because for a long time I had this with Fight Club. I didn't watch Fight Club till about a year ago and everyone would bring up Fight Club and I'm like, I haven't seen it. Like, are you trying? Are you just are being you? defiant to be cool or... No, I'm not actually. You're just a retard. I'm just... I just... <laughs> it just hasn't... I've never had the opportunity to say, I'm going to sit down and watch Shawshank Redemption tonight. I'm, 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 I'm bamboozled. It'll happen. I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. Great. Well, I, I'm going to give part of it away because yeah. we're doing it. Uh, so there's a guy who's in jail for a long time. He comes out and hangs himself mm-hmm. because he, he he goes back and gets a job as a great, at a grocery store as, as an assistant, bag packer. And so much has changed in the 30 years that he's been in jail. He's... It's like stepping into a, a time machine for him. So, um, so you combine those. He couldn't. You, he couldn't adapt. He couldn't adjust. He was. It's it's hard. So you combine those two things. You know, where to client in here? The exa- perfect avatar of what this looks like. So, was in jail for three, three and a half years. Came out, um, had trouble integrating, and was like, I just, I really want to get some work. I want to find some purpose and move on. Couldn't get a job anywhere because of his criminal record. So both of those things are working against him to the point where he's like, I don't know what to do. And this is why, so, especially because. 
massive majority of people in prisons are for drug charges. This is why people go back to doing drugs because yeah. like, what else, what else am I going to do to make money? Exactly. And that's why people go back to burglary and crime and everything because if they get caught, they, they're they going to go back into something that they yeah. know. So this is exactly as like I come out of prison, like I want to turn my life around. I want to actually make something of myself. Let There's me go out and obstacles. let me go out and get a job so I can serve people. Oh, I can't get a job because yeah. I'm a criminal. So this is society again pointing and saying, you're a criminal, you're a criminal. You tell someone that enough, they'll go, fuck it, I am a criminal. But going back to our topic, even if you own that, even if you drock up to a job and you say, look, just want to get it out there on the table. Uh, you know, a young, silly version of me did this thing. I've done five years in prison. Uh, I'm now you know, in a position where I've evolved, I've grown, I've really done a lot of, of work on myself um, and I'm in a position where I can now teach people, you know, if you took the ownership into it, yeah. Instead of trying to hide it, would it have a different outcome? I think yes. I do too. Oh, absolutely. Like that's that's how I would do it. And that's the thing. If you get in front of it mm-hmm. and if you're proactive with it and you, you, you take it in there and stick it on the table firstly, it's not the elephant in the room anymore. Yeah. Because you imagine if I'm a an employer and someone comes in and says that, I'll be like, shit, I took a fair bit of guts to say that. Well, you're being vulnerable. Yes. You know, and that's going to resonate on an emotional level. Yeah. With somebody, so you're being you're being you, so you're being I think more authentic because if we, if if I have a part of my past that I feel really bad about and I'm like oh I did stuff that I shouldn't have done and I'm trying to bury that away and not talk about it at any point even mm. if someone brings up oh, what did you do between the years this and this oh nothing you know, <laughs> like if I if I'm pushing that away then I am. Um, hating part of myself. So there's no inner peace. Correct. So if I'm hating any part of myself or 10 parts of myself or whatever, I can't be fully me. Yeah, you're in conflict. Yeah, so then I'm going to be, I'm going to bring that energy of a man in conflict into a job interview, into hanging out with mates, into going to play golf, whatever it is. I think that's why I I wanted to talk about, you know, the knock on the cock earlier because it was um, <laughs> the famous knock on the cock. Uh, well, it was. It's not about me. It's about her and yeah. the situation and 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 the ripple effect of it and the layers of it, I suppose. So, you know, a, a lot of people probably wouldn't confess that happening you know, because they're ashamed of it or feel guilty or whatever. But I'm like, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. It was. Mm. It was something. There's there's value in talking about it. Yeah, this happens a lot with, and I'm not, I'm not comparing what happened to you in any way, but people who have been um, victims of sexual assault. Oh, totally. Because something happens to them completely out of their control, yet they take on the shame for it. So, interesting topic there because I've worked with a lot of people that have been um, abused, you know, sexually, mm-hmm. physically. Uh, as, spe- as children and the thing that causes the most damage in these people is not the abuse but it's the not being believed by their parents mm-hmm. or their guardians mm-hmm. so some little Susie's you know touched by the next door neighbour comes say mummy he touched me and the next door neighbour and mummy and daddy are best friends they're going to believe the neighbour not the little girl and that causes the deepest wound, not the actual yeah. um, touching of it. But yeah, so if, if she grows up with this, that that right there, mummy's just mummy's just sort of put in place this inability for this little girl to own it because it's shameful. Mummy's just taught her that this is something to be ashamed of. You should never speak of this again. Mm. So mum's handicapped that little girl right from yeah. the start, and then and then she will carry that round, yeah, up forever. But that's going to be that, that that's going to be like a forty-four gallon drum of toxicity inside her. That's mm-hmm. going to be poisoning her. That's going to create septicemia of the emotions, mm-hmm. uh, and have a ripple effect through the rest of her life. Yeah, it affects until, relationships, until it sexual out. relationships, yeah. the whole lot. Yeah, trust. Yeah, trust because that's that's the big thing. It's like um, I can't trust my source of life Mm. my parents in this situation so really in that moment we decide that we can't trust anyone exactly if i can't trust them who can i trust so then now belief gets created that i can't trust anyone so then we go about life not ever trusting anyone or Mm. ourselves and but 
but then because that happened so young when we came into adulthood and maturity we walk around with a conscious thought that oh, I should be trusting people I should trust this person he's my boyfriend I should trust him but the consciousness and the subconsciousness are so misaligned and mm. so out of whack that I can't she can't actually behave as she wants to behave but then it creates a secondary trauma yes. because then she starts beating herself up for not is there something wrong with me I must be broken what the fuck yeah and it's so, this I should I should because the, the mind the conscious rational mind is going one way yeah. and the emotional body and the subconscious goes the other way so then we are in conflict like you're saying and unfortunately that subconscious and the emotions are far stronger so they keep winning so she keeps playing out these patterns but the conscious mind goes fuck why do i keep doing that i should be doing this i should be doing that so that's where seeking help comes into it and Mm. finding someone a safe space a safe environment with someone that you can try and trust but it's massive and that's why I, i always say to my clients no matter what they've experienced, they're my biggest heroes because they've stepped through the door. They've picked up the phone and they've they've made a phone call, mm. and they're they they they're taking a massive leap of faith with us. They're they're risking so much, and if if we don't have that as as practitioners at the forefront of our minds that this person is jumping off a building and needing us to catch them, then. Um, but doing them a disservice. Yeah, and that's I think any practitioner like the the core like training before anything else gets addressed is how to create a safe space. Yeah, how to build Be- rapport. Yeah, I mean it's just it's so important. You can't doesn't matter what you're trained in and how good you are at different methods and modalities, none of it's going to work if you don't create a safe space because people won't open up unless they're safe. But so many practitioners don't do it. I know. That's why I think it needs like it needs to be taught so much more because you've got to imagine how much of a ripple effect this has in a negative way when someone finally becomes vulnerable enough to step through someone's doors and say, I need help and I'm going to I'm, I'm opening myself judged. just my walking in here. Yeah. And if they walk in and don't feel safe, yeah. they'll run back to their hole and mightn't come out for 10 years. And they'll dig it deeper. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll hit the booze harder. They'll fucking yeah, they'll they'll hurt themselves even more through that shame and guilt. So, I guess why I wanted to bring this up was you know because what happens to you, the listener, isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to uh, work at taking ownership of it and stop letting it dictate the the course and. The, the patterns of your life and, and of your behaviour. Mm. Um, you know, we've all got, as Tristan said on our, on our you know, last podcast, we've all got a sob story. We've, we've all had hardships mm. to different degrees. But, um, you know, I think when, when you step up and, and take be accountable for your happiness, understand that no one else on this planet was put here to make you happy. That's, that's your sole responsibility. Um, when you can really subscribe to that and operate on that, then you can move into this place where, right, okay, fuck it, this happened. And, and it, don't even use the term, this happened to me, because you're personalising it way too mm-hmm. much. This, this, was, this was an experience I had, or this was, this was an experience I went through. Call it an experience rather than this happens to me, because it, it creates a victim mentality, mm. um, and it it's a it's a closed mindset it's not a growth mentality so i mean you've all listening you've all been through something you've all done something to be embarrassed of because we're all immature and we all do stupid shit um but spend some time stepping into owning it like i talk about how i used to steal shit when i was younger and i was i was so embarrassed and ashamed of that for years like i'd flog fucking anything but i was doing it um to get people to like me mm. that was it i was giving this stuff away so I'd, I'd steal people would give me a list of stuff they wanted and i would go and steal it for them mm. and then give it to them because so i'll put myself in harm's way just so i can be liked exactly mm. yeah well i didn't even see it as harm's way i was i was unfortunately i was very good at it yeah um so i got away with it a lot but uh and i think back and i'm like oh fuck the karma i'm gonna cop in the next life for that <laughs> <laughs> so i'm trying to do what i can to reduce that karma now um but, but you, know, you know how you stop karma altogether 
Yeah. When you forgive yourself completely. Yeah, well, that's. I think I, I'd have. Yeah. I have done that. And, and because I realised that version of me, what was driving that behaviour was um, th- this irrational belief that he must be loved and liked by everyone. He was, mm-hmm. he was needy. He was so needy, that kid. Mm-hmm. And he did whatever it took, whatever it could to get people to like him. And instead of being embarrassed about it, I'm, I'm, I feel so... I don't feel sorry for him. I, I feel empathy towards him, you know. Um, of course. So, so I think that's a, like it's a that's little... That's an unconditional love for him. Yes. I think, so I think it's an alarm bell if like if anyone's listening and they, if there's a part of your past that you're like committed to not talking about, then that's really an alarm bell that says you're, you're, you're pushing away part of yourself. If, if, there's, if there's a chapter of your life that you cannot open, that means that there's work to be done. Yeah, because that chapter is open in our subconscious mind and we'll play it out through our actions. It's it's having a party you're not invited <laughs> to. But um, you're dancing to the tune, the music that you can't hear. Yeah, this is like how if we go back to the, you know, say a girl who's been sexually abused and you know then she kind of pushes that away and which you do when you're young and then she grows up and a lot of girls you'll find will become very promiscuous you know through Mm. their teens and everything Mm -hmm. and they'll keep putting themselves back in these shame situations Mm -hmm. and once again that conscious mind's like fuck stop this why do i keep doing this but it's actually the trauma just playing out and living through action or they'll go to the opposite end of the spectrum yeah and they'll become a nun exactly so when 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 we go through a, a trauma physical emotional whatever we tend to go one end of the spectrum or the other Know, if dad was a drunk, a violent drunk, um, some people will pick up his patterns and become violent drunks themselves. Um, others will become teetotalers and, and advocates for no drinking. Mm-hmm. You know. But either one, there's no balance. No, You're not free to choose uh, what it is that you do. Yeah, 100%. You um, said something in there before that I thought I'd open up a little topic I um, you said that you know Tristan was in and said we all had a sob story and we've all been through stuff to varying degrees mm-hmm. um, and I had uh, an old housemate of mine actually told me this and um, you know we were talking one night he'd been through some really hectic shit when he was younger that he was sort of telling me about and um, you know I must have said something like oh I can't believe what that would be like mate and then he goes it's all the same mate he goes whatever the worst in inverted commas that you've been through in your life or I've been through, mm. it feels the same. Mm-hmm. You might say mine's worse or yours isn't as worse, but it feels the same. It's our worst because we've just got the one reference point. You don't have my reference point, so your yeah, worst yeah. felt better than mine. It's just the worst. Yeah. Uh, you you both could, uh, on a scale of zero to ten, zero being horrendous, ten being amazing, you could both put it at two. But... There could be completely contrasting experiences, but you're both labelled yes. it as a two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's always sort of stuck me with me when I said that because, mm. like, I, I, you know, we had just you know, so many people coming in here, and I've over the last three and a half years heard just stories that just make your skin crawl about what mm. people have been yeah, through, so. and then you know, but then also people who come in, and they're like, oh, I am, um, you know, I haven't been through much, and they'll explain and that kind of thing, and I feel like the the pain kind of that they go through or on their face is very similar yeah it's like yeah. you know I've, it's it's, it's I, I think um yeah what's the expression don't pray for an easy life pray for the um ability to endure a difficult yeah. one or something i i mean i guess i'm speaking for, from my own experience but i th- i think and I, I i openly talk to people and i I receive the people's eyebrow back when i when i make this statement <laughs> the raised eyebrow that I, I am so grateful for all the trauma that I've experienced and um, um, I, I don't wish it any other way. I, don't want, I wouldn't go back and change a thing um, and because the depths of those things, have, I, I think, take you to the opposite end of the spectrum. So imagine there's zero as the baseline and there's negative 10 and positive 10. I think if you experience a negative 8, that creates an opportunity for you to go into a positive eight mm-hmm. if you do the work yeah i completely agree so i people sort of struggle to understand they go what do you mean you who would love you know being left in a pub when they were three and and you know living in that sort of 
toxic environment and experiencing what you experienced in the army. He said, no one loves it at the time. Yeah. At the time, it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world. But later, when you can look at it objectively and 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 a bit cleanly and unpack it with someone who can help and with, when you're given the right tools and resources, it's, you can start mining that shit and pull out all the gold that's in it. Exactly. And like at the end of the day, we've all got trauma. And, you know, even if that's just, you know, you got up in class one day to do your talk and the kids laughed at you like, you know, that could have been trauma. Mm. So we've all got it. So then the question is, do we want to look back on these things and say they shouldn't have happened or have an emotional reaction to them? Or do we want to do the work and then look back and say thank you? Yeah, because people want to hold, people I think get addicted to their pain and they want to hold on to a lot of these traumas and things. And you're like, you know, do you have you thought about doing the work and going back and forgiving that person? They're like, no, no I'll never forgive can't. them. I'm like, okay. So well, that's, you, a, that's you, a rigid you mindset. You will never be free. Yeah. Yeah, because exactly. people like to hold on to that. You're going to keep letting that person be responsible for your happiness. Yeah. When in fact it's your it's your responsibility. Yeah, there's, um, test my memory here. I was reading, you know, a while ago, it was three, three reasons why we don't forgive someone. So we don't forgive people because we think that if we do, they'll do it again. Uh, or we think that we're letting them off the hook. And there's one more that I can't remember. I think a lot of people see it as a sign of weakness to forgive someone, mm-hmm. but they don't understand the amount of strength it takes. Yeah. To give. What's the expression? Don't mistake my kindness for a weakness or something. Yes. It's or compassion for weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah compassion yeah. for weakness. Yeah. So people can mistreat me now, and I have the inner strength to not take it personally and to understand it's more about them than it is about me. So I, I'm in a an emotional state where I can be compassionate. You know, when someone is is trying to hurt me, what they're really doing is it's saying to me, I'm hurting, I need some relief and I'm just going to project my hurt onto you. Yeah. So it's not actually about me at all. It's, it's about them. And when I'm compassionate to them and I say, oh, you know, trying to chat about and they're like they're 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 spitting fire and venom and all this sort of hell and brimstone at me and i'm just standing in the face of it going it's going to be okay yeah you're okay they because of their toxicity they see that as a sign of weakness they're like why aren't you fighting back why aren't you getting angry why why don't you fucking flare up and and i'm like because that's what that's what their pain wants exactly their pain wants more pain reflected back to it so you can go in this tennis match yeah yeah. I put my racket down years ago. <laughs> Game, set, match? Game, set and match. You started playing golf instead. I did. Good yeah. choice. Much slower. <laughs> uh, yeah, so okay. So to wrap that little section up, um, self-accountability, it's like uh, what, what happened isn't your fault but it is your responsibility. You have to – so many people are walking around needing X, Y and Z to happen or to have happened – in order for them to then be happy. I can't be happy until that's happened or I can't be happy because that's happened. And that's bullshit. Mm. Um, what we can learn to do is put A, B and C in place internally and be inherently happy instead of being codependently happy and needing external things to make us happy. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, That is taking ownership. It's just instead of getting joy, happiness from the outside, it's me having it inside and then whatever I do becomes a happy experience. But, but just And that's it, just let, allowing yourself to experience it. So things aren't good or bad or right or wrong until we filter it and then you know it bounces around off our belief systems and what we think should or shouldn't happen and all that crap. But there's a, there's a, a place where you can get to where you can just experience something and you can observe it objectively and go, oh, this isn't about me. This is just life happening. Mm. And and it doesn't feel good at the moment perhaps or it's not ideal or this, this wouldn't happen in a perfect world. But the reality is we live in an imperfect world. So this is happening and I don't, I don't need to take, take it on. Mm-hmm. Um, Non-judgment. Yeah, but things that have happened in the past, really uh, pick them up and own them and talk to people about them. Don't, don't keep skeletons in your closet. No, not at all. Because then, then you, you actually start having really deep conversations with people. You know, but you realise everyone's been through the same shit. <laughs> what I do when I'm like at a, you know, someone's birthday or something like that. And, you know, I'll get around and just start meeting people and, you know, it's classic people like, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. 
run a mental, <laughs> mental health and addiction clinic. Oh, really? What got you into that? I was a drug addict. And then just leave empty space. Yeah. And you, I just, I just, I just, it can last like 10 seconds. Yeah. And they're like, oh. And then they're like, I used to have a drug problem. Or my brother's got a drug problem. And all of a sudden you start to open up and talk, yeah, I had depression. And, you know, yeah, you start having some real more. conversations, you know. But a lot of the time people say there's an opportunity for a free session as well. And yeah. I had to start giving out my business card saying, if you really want to talk about this, give me a call and come and see me in the office. Now we're at a party. I'm sorry yeah, you, you were traumatised, but now's not the time now's or the place. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. But I think, yeah, owning all parts of us. It's good, though, when you when you do just leave it hanging, like, you know, when people say, oh, how's the army? And we're like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I experienced sexualized violence and got strung up naked and hosed down and prodded and probed and everything. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I love the food. <laughs> and they're just so confused. Like, why aren't you ashamed of that? Why aren't you embarrassed of that? And they're like, because I own it. Yeah, you know, it's my. It's a, it was, it's my life. It's it's a it's a page in my book, uh, and I'm I'm not going to continue to give those blokes any power mm-hmm. by by hiding it. Mm. So yeah, because we can't. I think we like to think we can just tear pages out of the book and not think about them or address them. Or rub, rub them out and rewrite them. Rub them out, yeah, but that it doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. It doesn't work that way. So that leads us into the next topic. Okay, we've all we're all fucked up to some degree. Amen. Amen. But I wanna. I was thinking about this because I when I when I'm in Thailand, I'm working at this luxury health resort, and it's beautiful and amazing. But it's it's for the rich and famous. Basically, it's very expensive to stay there, and um, and I just see these people coming to relax and rejuvenate and regenerate, and they've got the money to do so. But for those of us that aren't in that rarefied air, the 1%, I want to know how many people proactively spend money on their health and well-being. Mm. And because uh, we we have people come to us and I, I don't know what you charge, but I say these are the cost of my programs. Um, and I think they're reasonable. I came up with the... The, the costings of that with the assistance of a client. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's fair and reasonable. It's, it's not a time for money exchange. It's a more value proposition. It's mm-hmm. what you get out of you know, the six, 12 weeks or 12 months that we're working together. Um, and some people are like, yeah, no worries, cool. Because the yeah, they see the value in it. Mm-hmm. They see what's what they're going to take out of it. Other people see it as an expense and they go, oh, no, I can't afford it. No, I've got this, I've got that, and, uh, which is you know, fine. They're, they've got other priorities. But what they're telling me is that they're not prioritising themselves. No, and then, you know, they normally – because we, we kind of see people when the wheels are falling off. Yeah, but these know. people are coming in and they're in – they're using coping mechanisms like yes. drugs or alcohol or gambling. So it's costing them money to be unhealthy. Yeah. And they can't get their head around the fact that it's going to cost them money to become healthy, but then they're going to stop spending money. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're happy to spend five grand a year on coping mechanisms, but more than that. Well, <laughs> a lot more than that. But, uh, but aren't willing to invest, you know, a tenth of that um, to be to, to undo what's yeah. driving those behaviours. Yeah. No, we, we, I've had people come in who have the same thing and then I'll hear from them in a month or two months' time and they come in and they're like, yeah, things are really fucked now. Yeah, but that's it. Pain's it a great motivator, isn't it? get worse. Pain's um, a great motivator. Yeah, so I think if we're talking about proactive, then that's it's before the wheels off, you know, sort and shoot out. So well, it's an understanding that something's a bit NQR, something's not quite right. Um, yeah, it's like... Me going for a massage, you know. I've felt this thing in my back, and I'm like, Yeah, it's probably affecting me. Before it gets worse, I'm going to go and see someone about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to to run into a knock on the cock at the time, hey, but um, take it as it comes, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that's I um, so I'm not trying to think about with me with my health, so because I think physical health, we're talking about mental health, well, but you, I think, no, we're talking about health and well being. So, do you pay to go to the gym? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you go to the dentist periodically or do you wait till you've got a root canal? Um, I've been to the dentist once in my life. 
Oh, that's a can of worms. We can open now if you want to. Yeah, no. I go every six months. Yeah, um, I yeah, it's another. It's a can of worms. I went once just because I'm like I haven't been since I was in primary school since the dental van came yeah, to school, right. and I went and like got a clean and like, three hundred bucks, and I'm like yeah, fuck this. I'll come back if I have a problem. <laughs> I've never had any issue like with my teeth. I've just yet. never had a... Yet. Yet. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I do look after them quite well. My dad's got really fucked teeth. So he was like the um, brushing Nazi when I was younger. He, My old man used to um, chew chewy all the time. And this is back, this is Stimarole and uh, Juicy Fruits <laughs> before it was sugar-free. Yeah. So all day, every day, he's just chewing on sugar. Mm. And um, his teeth got fucked. Mm. Like, so he was... Um, when I was young, I never missed a uh, brushing of the teeth. Mm. Are you a flosser? Yes. Yes. So, but once again, that's a, I think dentistry is a good example. People wait until uh, I have to go have a root canal and they go, oh, the dentists are the worst. The dentists aren't bad if you go there when there's no problem. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I, so that similar thing, I'm seeing a Cairo at the minute, um, which I've been seeing for the last few months, but I originally went to see them because my back was fucked. Mm. Like I'd waited till, it was always not great, but waited till it got really bad before I actually did anything. Um, go into the gym like I go to the gym and you know I spend you know a lot of money on good food and you know prepare meals protein fresh and everything and steroids um, no, no I don't even do protein shakes I used to mm. for when I first started going to the gym um, I like got into it I got, got obsessed I'm like yeah fuck your oh, protein powder what's that and like I walked into the local GNC and I must have, they must have seen me come and like, I walked out of there with like 400 bucks worth of shit. And I'm like, all right, how long is this going to last? Look, a month. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a month. I'm going back to drugs. Yeah. It's cheaper. Crazy. <laughs> um, so I think I'm, you know, with my food and going to the gym, I am proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, I just like to, I like to feel good, look good. But you know what, the there's, there's not really a proactive mental health thing out there, which is, the the sort of niche I've put myself into. Yeah, there's oh, there's oh. there's it's going to happen because right now meditation is that. Yeah. So med- people are getting you know excited about meditation. Everyone's releasing an app, you yeah. know. So the, go, it's you go to the states. You're weird if you don't go to a psych. You know. Yeah. If you don't have a psychologist and you go to see to them regularly, then you're outside the norm. Uh, we're here. It's a complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So. When, when I rebranded and relaunched as MindFit, I wanted to take a different approach and so that's why I put programs into place and, and um, used a, a methodology and um, it's now, it's psychoeducation. It's, um, you know, I'm not trying to fix people. Is that how to be a psycho? No. <laughs> Dumbass. It's... Um, <laughs> Psycho, mind, education, education for the mind. So teaching people tools and resources to alleviate the root cause of the issue and in that they sort of learn to heal themselves and to self-manage and to self-regulate and to increase their EQ, emotional intelligence. Um, And so you go through a program and then we have a maintenance program which has been the biggest surprise. I put that up um, with no expectations. There's a real curiosity to see what happened. So people that do a six or 12 week program then go into a monthly maintenance program where they just come back for an hour a month, uh, mm-hmm. touch base, make sure that they're Keep staying on track. on track, yep, doing the work. People that have done a 12 month program um, go into a three monthly maintenance program because they've done so much more work. And it's so weird, I was chatting to a, a client the other day who's doing a three monthly, he's in his third year of a three monthly maintenance program. And we started laughing. It's like it only takes four hours a year to keep him on track, mm. which mm. is we didn't. I'd never really sort of thought of it that way. But so he only needs to go the mental. Like he, he's working himself between those three months. But I'm like a personal trainer for the mind. So he comes in to to have a PT session, brings some stuff in. Oh, this is what I've done. This is what I did. Okay, reminders. This is what you need to do. Let's do some work on this. You know, sort of crack his back and you know, metaphorically and, and off he goes. Um, so that is taking him far away from any mental health issues. Mm. You know, he's now got the self-management strategies in place and the capacity to self-regulate and, and so he doesn't need uh, – he's not going to have these massive dips when life happens. He, he can manage and I, I, I don't know why more people don't do that. 
Yeah, well, but was he was coming in more regularly though before that? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had to go through a process to get him to that stage. Yeah. So we had to break him down, Neuer. Mm-hmm. We had to break him down and rebuild him. Uh, but now he's he's got the foundation to support himself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder, can you we recognise when we need to be proactive about our mental health as opposed to reactive? Well, this is the thing. I think if we can start teaching these kids this psychoeducation then they're going to grow up into adults who don't need as much reactive yeah. therapy. And they'll also be more aware if their mind's going down certain routes and they're like, oh, I might need to just go talk to someone because this is the start of you know, yeah. something that I can see. Yeah, they, can, they can learn the red flags. Yeah. Uh, I was chatting with a, a guy, ex-army guy actually, really great dude. I'm, I'm excited about working with this bloke. And he came in, he had his discovery session last week. Week one was yesterday, I think. And you know, I'm throwing a lot at people. Like it's a lot of it's a language they don't really talk. Uh, it's relatable and it's it's common sense and all that, but it's it's not stuff they've ever thought of. Um, and he says, "All right, so so what's the deal in 12 weeks?" And I said, "Right, well, firstly, you've got to." Uh, I used a metaphor. I said, "Imagine this door here had a was squeaky. What do I need to do in order to fix the door?" WD-40. Yeah, I guess you you need the tools. I said, that's number two. There's four things that you need. What's the – what other things? Yeah, well, you need WD-40 or or a screwdriver or something. I said, no, so that's tools. What else do you need? He's like, "Uh, I don't know, that's about it. And that's what everyone says. So they come up with a one out of four. I said, first you need the awareness that it needs fixing. Mm -hmm. So you need to hear that it's squeaking or, or feel that it's not closing properly. Then you need the tools, but there's no point in rocking up with tools if you don't know how to use the tools. So then you need the knowledge. Education, yep. Yep, the education. Um, and then there's no point turning out with the knowledge and the tools if you've got two arms in plaster and you can't use them, so then you need the capacity mm-hmm. to, to create change. So I need these four things. And he's sitting there like, fuck. So I said, what we're going to do at the start here is we're going, to, we're going to create lots of awareness. We're going to educate you on all the red flags and all the the core, the root cause of what's going on. So then you can start catching yourself and being aware and going, oh, my mind's going to destructive thinking. I've got to pull back and go into constructive thinking. And I've got to spray myself with WD-40. <laughs> spray yourself in the face every time you catch yourself going down the wrong mental path. Oh, I can just visualise it. I can just, I can just, yeah. Psh, honey, what are you doing? Oh, Nick told me to do it. That burns. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing this? Why am I paying him? <laughs> the slipperiest face in the southeastern suburbs. So yeah, but you know, so once once we we get people out of a reactiveness, and and I talk to my clients about, I don't consider them to need therapy. I think they're missing the awareness and the education, the know-how, all that sort of stuff. So if we can empower them with all of this stuff and give them a fighting chance, mm. then get them out of that reactiveness and then they can shift into proactiveness. It's like we're going to the dentist with a fucked up face full of teeth and that are rotted. And you, you get them all worked on over the course of a year. You get shiny new teeth. And then, right, I'm going to come back once every three months. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's that instead of waiting for Do we pain. need to, as a society, do we need to change the vernacular? Do we need to change the wording? Like, totally. I think in, in, our, in my head, it's like people think therapy. Oh, I go to a therapist when I'm fucked. You know? Mm. I go to see a psychologist. Yeah, I go to see him when I'm fucked. All right, so go, go back to a metaphor. Uh, and I t- my clients came up with this. As, it's not one of my clients said, "Oh, you're like a personal trainer for the mind." So it's it's just it helps f- helps people frame what I do. Um, so I said, "All right, imagine you rock up to the gym and you're out of shape. You know, kilos overweight. If you rock up and you hire me, a personal trainer, to do a session once a week for twelve weeks, and you come and you work your ass off." But then outside of that hour, you're also training, you're also working mm-hmm. your ass off. In 12 weeks, you're going to be a different version of yourself. Yeah. Yep. And that just goes without saying. 
Um, but if you turn up and you grab a little two kilo dumbbell and check iPhone and hang out and take selfies on Instagram. That's and, how I train. <laughs> and just do a bit of mirror work for a while. Uh, and if you come and do that and then leave, don't do anything between sessions and come back and, oh, oh, yeah, but I'm still feeling this. If you keep going into your story and into your suffering and you don't actually dig deep and create change, then nothing's going to happen. So I think we can change the narrative and look at your mental health exactly the same as your physical health. And what I'm seeing is everyone is mentally overweight. Mm-hmm. Everyone, so many people are mentally out of shape. Out of shape. And that is, that is mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as a physical health issue. If you sit on the couch and eat Dirty Bird and fucking binge on Netflix all your life, then your physical health is going to deteriorate and you're going to develop physical health issues. If they're left unattended, those physical health issues are going to deteriorate into physical illnesses. And the same thing mentally. If we just keep consuming, you know, junk in the form of the news and new idea magazines and... Just no idea. That's what my dad no, used to call no it. No idea magazine <laughs> and just binge on all this crap... And we don't go out into nature and we don't have stimulating discussions and, and we don't do all these, you know, we don't feed our mind in a nutritious way. It's going to deteriorate. Yeah. So what do you think, like men, a mental coach? Is that sort of, what, what wording can we use here? I don't know, just, just be proactive with your mental health. That's it. Just, just understand that A, you have mental health. B, there's things you can do to get your mental health in good shape and C, there's plenty you can do to keep it there mm-hmm. that's that's, a, that's yeah a, i think we need like because we kind of know when you know say you know about a haven't been to the gym in a few months been eating the dirty bird and all that kind of thing and all of a sudden the, that belt buckle's gone out a notch or two <laughs> yeah. but like well, i'm probably a bit of a fat fuck here i better get back into the gym mm-hmm. we need to i am out of shape we yeah i'm out of shape so we need to start being more aware of what our mental so state if is you like. if you start or, getting angry and flaring up easily if you are sluggish and you know struggle to get out of bed if you're very irritable uh, yeah, if, if you if, if you start, you're bored a lot yeah if you start eating heaps of junk food if you if you screen time your if your screen times goes up if you start spending more money if you're mm-hmm. gambling if you're drinking more all of these coping mechanisms if you start doing them then that is a sign that your mental health is is out of shape yeah so then you can come to a mental health practitioner and say, all right, I'm using these coping mechanisms instead of self-management strategies. How do we change this? Yeah, that, I like that. That's, that's, that's how it should be, proactive. That's what we need to do. And so that's the work I'm trying to do with Trademutt. Um, they've just started up their TX. This is a conversation starter foundation. And so what we're going to do is try and... Yeah, change the narrative, change, create, create that shift, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's just common sense, man. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good when you know if blogs can start to pick up on this stuff. You know, like say if you we, you are a tradie and you know you're having smoko, and then one of the guys you've noticed the last week or two he's been really bitching about the same stuff every week, or you know seem really down. Then you the get red mate, flag, red flag. Yeah, mate, you should go and speak to you know so and so. Yeah. Get that sorted out. Go and listen to this. Go and do this online program that Nick's yeah. going to create, and just you know, get your mental health. Get yourself back in, back shape. in shape. Exactly. Mentally fit, mind fit. Oh my god, <laughs> that should be the name of my business. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, beautiful. Oh, mate. It's going to take. I reckon it's going to take a decade to create uh, that shift. Yep. Yeah, so do I. I Honestly, I think I think we're probably ahead of the curve in what we're doing. You know, there's a traditional psychology and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. out there. Uh, but I, what I see is most of this space is hell bent on reducing the symptoms um, of things like anxiety and depression. You know, anger management classes. That's just trying to curb a behaviour. Yeah, it's not changing the root cause of it. No. And so, um, yeah, we're a bit left field in what we're doing, but I think we need that because it's it's got to it's got to happen in a different way. Whatever's happening now is not working. No, that's right. No, the the, the managing of symptoms isn't. 
yeah. working, or you know. Redu- reducing of the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always tell me I'm like, anxiety, the root cause of anxiety isn't a lack of Valium in your system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you can take Valium and it will reduce your anxiety, but it's going <laughs> to rebound as soon as it wears off. Yeah, the antidote um, for depression is not going to spend $500 in shopping. Oh, really? Not, you're not depressed because you don't have enough clothes in your cupboard. Uh, I know, strange, huh? Strange. Sorry, everyone. I'm enlightened. Yeah. Woke as fuck. I am woke. I'm a woke bloke. Uh, All right, beautiful, mate. Thank you, Nico. That was another episode in the books. We covered a lot. We covered accountability, ownership, being proactive with our mental health. We talked about money for jam. We we talked about the knock on the cock. Don't be ashamed of these pages or chapters in your life. Go back, look at them objectively, uh, and share them with someone that you trust. Or share them with a stranger in the form of a trained mental health practitioner. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. All right. We will all see you on the next episode. Uh, Peace out, everyone. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time. (laughs) 